but we do think in general, it's probably a, a topping process. Uh, things are really expensive. You know, we're about 21 times on the S&P right now as far as earnings multiple. And you just, you normally don't start with a big bull market from that level. So I'm not saying you have to have a sell-off. I mean, if maybe if you had a tremendous amount of money come in from the physical side or something like that, it would change. But the way it stands right now, it looks as though we're pretty fully priced right now. On this episode of What the Finance Podcast, I have the pleasure of welcoming back Ted Oakley for a third time. Uh, so he needs no introduction. So Ted, thanks so much for coming back on the podcast today. Glad to be here, Anthony. Thanks. No problem. I'm looking forward to the conversation. We've had an uh, interesting first few months of the year. So I guess from your perspective, broad picture, what are you seeing in the markets? Well, you know, I mentioned this earlier today, but we wrote in the uh, January comments that we put out early January that we thought the market would make a new high in the first quarter because you get this close and typically they'll push it into new highs. But we do think in general, it's probably a, a topping process. Uh, things are really expensive. You know, we're about 21 times on the S&P right now as far as earnings multiple. And you just, you normally don't start with a big bull market from that level. So I'm not saying you have to have a sell-off. I mean, if maybe if you had a tremendous amount of money come in from the physical side or something like that, it would change. But the way it stands right now, it looks as though we're pretty fully priced right now. Yeah, I guess if we look at today, there's been quite a bit of news. So, uh, you know, uh, corporate real estate, a few other factors have come up, come online, you know, higher inflation, I guess, wage, wage growth. So it seems like there's a little, quite a lot of negative news that's coming out. And as you said, it's uh, we've had quite a run up the past few months. Right. Well, you have. I mean, I think I don't think you would have had it necessarily, but the Fed came in in October and and basically said, "Hey, uh, it's going to be okay. We're waving at you. Everything's going to be all right, and uh, we're probably we're not going to raise rates anymore." And everybody uh, took that to mean that we're, we're going to lower rates real soon and we'll be back like we were three years ago. I doubt it, but that's what people thought. I think. Do you think they made a mistake? Because yeah, as you said, they came. They were sort of very uh, hawkish the whole year, and then that that one interview or that one uh, meeting where they were very dovish. And I think, as you said, there was this massive switch. People were thinking six plus rate cuts in twenty twenty four. So, do you think that was uh, a mistake on his behalf? Well, I have to tell you, Anthony, I think everything they do is a mistake almost. So this is just one more. Uh, I mean, if you look at the last twenty five years. They're one of the part and parcel reason we're in this fix we're in today is the Fed. Uh, they left their knitting, which was not to necessarily make sure the stock market didn't go down. That was never one of the things was, uh, you know, assigned to them. But they took it on in the last 25 years. And unfortunately, it's called it will cause eventually a lot of pain, I think. Yeah, it seems like it. And as you said, uh, I think they've sort of had to reverse what they said uh come back a bit hawkish and that's had a bit of a mm -hmm. a large impact on the market i think as i said they were predicting six cuts now it's sort of down to four and now they're thinking potentially less in line with what the fed was saying so maybe it was a bit of exuberance i i have no idea i yeah I, I, whatever happened wouldn't surprise me i have to say but i, I just i just don't know where they're headed you know 
Yeah. yeah. So you said you think it looks quite toppy. So from in from your experience, what does a top normally look like, and why is it maybe comparative to previous years? Well, usually a top, they they look similar. You take the leading stocks, and some of those start to fall back. They're not as strong as they were of the very very leading stocks, but it looks like they are because the the ones that are leading keep on making these exorbitant new highs and that pushes the markets up and it looks like to the outsider that the S&P and the Dow have hit a new high so things must be okay but if you look at the Dow Jones they mean I'm sorry the Dow Jones transportation average the Dow Jones utility average see they're not in new highs and they're definitely important to the to the economy and then also the Nasdaq not the Nasdaq 100 but the Nasdaq has not hit a new high either so it's a camouflage market and it always happens at the high and then you get to a high point and then you start this volatility. You'll have these days that are, you know, up 2%, down 2%, up 2%, down, but you don't make any big headway. And then one of these times after volatility picks up, you'll see come in and all of a sudden we make some lower lows and then all of a sudden it starts to implode on you a bit. And I, I, my guess it would be something like that. The only thing that would keep that is if, if you were to have, again, some big physical intervention from the government that pushed a lot of money back in and rates came down, and there'd be a lot of mistakes there, but it, w- it would certainly juice the market. I just don't think that'll happen this time around. Yeah, I think it'd be, it's hard to imagine uh, the government injecting more fiscal <laughs> support than what they, they're currently doing. So I think, uh, you know, it's a, it's a record highs. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, if you think about it right now, okay, you have low low unemployment. I mean, like 3.2. Well, if you come in and lower rates all of a sudden, and right now wages are up five and a half, six percent for the year, you, you won't be able to hire anybody. Everybody, wages will go up 10%. You know, they'll just, just sort of reduce the thing again. And I think that's the problem you have. They're sort of, they're at a point of rock in a hard place, I think, right now. So what would be the decision that they should make? As you said, is it just remaining uh, hawkish, keeping interest rates high? Do you think they should increase them even further? I don't, I don't think they can do a lot right here. You know, these numbers that just came out for January for CPI and PC were higher than everybody expected. Uh, and if you look, that means they probably can't do anything in March. We're right on March. If you have another month like that, then it probably can't do anything in May. And then you get into the summertime. I'll have to say I have no idea, but it my guess just a guess is, is that if you if the numbers stay strong in February and then in March, that they may not lower it all this year because they probably couldn't. But uh, gosh, it's uh, you know anybody that is thinking that they're going to do this or that, I don't know where they get it because we certainly don't know. We just have to. We know what we know. Like I know what I can get in a one-year treasury and a six-year, six-month treasury. I know what I can get, guaranteed. Okay, but I don't know what the Fed's going to do. Yeah, it's a good point. So you mentioned uh, sort of at the start of the year, you were projecting that you know markets could go to all-time highs. So I guess if we look at the next three to six months, do you have any perspectives there, or is it sort of linked back to your thoughts of uncertainty? Well, we're expensive right now. So if you think about it, you have to think about it, uh, what happens now. Uh, If you think, like, if you look at 21 times forward earnings right now, you just don't start new bull markets there. I can show you a lot of these markets. 
And I think people have been fooled to an extent because if I bought the S&P 500 in the last week of December 2021, and I measured it today, which is a new high, just barely, a few points, then I still made more money on the six-month treasury or three-month treasury than I did in the market. And I just think people don't remember that. They don't, they don't really think like that. They think, oh, my gosh, the markets have been hot as a pistol the last four months. That's true. But over a time, you know, a time span, a cycle, you haven't made any money, really. Yeah, as you said, there's been a lot of noise, but it's <laughs> and it has gone sort of down and then back up, but it has hardly moved over the past you, few years. You have to look at the whole thing. I mean, it's interesting. Me, I know, I remember Bernanke when and the Fed chairman back in 07 or early 08 was talking about the fact that they definitely had subprime. He thought it was totally under control. That was a major mistake. And then I see a, a week or two ago where Chairman Powell is on 60 Minutes, and really we we think we've got you know commercial real estate in, in, under control. And I'm like, now there's a guy that hasn't been on the street in a while. <laughs> yeah, but as you said, Benenke was uh, famous for making these. Uh, what was it the? Oh, I think that was Gordon Brown, the end of the recession, and then <laughs> 2008 came yeah. along. So I guess they, they love making these uh, overarching statements. But yeah, they are. So it's impossible to avoid, I think. It will always come. It, do, do you think there's a risk that maybe the whole of the drive up since 2020 has been a bull market? So we've had like quite a large drawdown in 2023 and the 2022. Do you think that was maybe just a, yeah, a, a bull market uh, drawdown during that period? Is that possible? Well, I think it's part of the whole top. In other words, when you get to these points, it's lazy. We had a six-week bear market in 20. We had a 10-month bear market basically in, in, 20, in, in 22. So you really haven't had, you haven't really had what I call a true bear market, extended bear market, which is usually 18 months or so. Sometimes it'll go as high as three years. And so I don't think you've really put people to test yet. And I know by for sure, you haven't gotten a speculative nature out of this market. And we have more speculative activity today, I think, than we had even in late 21. And so, you know, we'll we'll see how it comes out, but everybody's in the market, everybody, every pension plan, every person, every foreign fund, and they all own the same stocks. And so it makes you wonder uh, what's going on. And then you pop open the Wall Street Journal today and it says the teenagers are in the game. They're making a lot of money on these big seven stocks. And so, um, you know, when you're getting close, it's like Bernard Baruch said back in the 20s, when the shoeshine boy knows what's going on in the market, I'd be trouble ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's, and when your uh, <laughs> friends' kids are making lots of money, that's another concern as well, I think. Uh, well, it's just, it's just that business is just not that easy, see? I mean... It's just not an easy game. And so ask any business person out here, woman or man, that runs a business and they'll tell you that, hey, I got to fight this fight every day. And uh, I think for people to think that I can show up and speculate for six months or a year or two, and that's it's easy to do, I think they'll learn a, a tough lesson from that. That's personal opinion. May not happen, but it usually does. Yeah, definitely. So if, if we look at... um. You know, so would you say the last year has been a, a bull market uh, or would you say that it's sort of just a connection to the, the previous? 
Yeah. Oh, I, I don't think it was a bull market. No, I mean, bull market is when you move from, you know, when you when you move into new high territory and you do it strong, a lot of volume, a lot of companies participating. All we did was make up what went down in 22. We didn't really do anything else. And the other side that people don't realize is once you, if you look at any market low and you go all the way back to 75, 82, you know, uh, 2003, 2009, you look at these lows when the market takes off, they don't give you just one or two or 3% like this one has just done. They give you big moves and they happen day after day after day and you don't have a chance to get in them. They just keep right on going. And that's a, that's a bull market. What we've seen here is a trading market and uh, it's been good for some people that trade it like that, but to us, that's what it is. It's not a new bull market. Okay. That makes sense. And you, and you mentioned that the business can be quite tough and, you know, invest in business, but sort of any business as well. If we look at, um, you know, Main Street has really been struggling while Wall Street has been massively benefiting. So, so why do you think there's been that disconnect? Is that just what happens during these exuberant periods or is it something maybe new? Well, it always happens at highs. You know, I could, I could take you through different highs, but I'll take you a few. In the early 80s, oil and gas was hot as a pistol. And every Canadian and, and U.S. oil stock that even went out and hit a, a, a small oil and gas well would just explode and go up. Everybody was in it. And, of course, they lost so much money by the time you got out to 85 or 86. And the same thing happened, you know, 97 to 2000. You had all of these people that I knew uh, that quit working and said, hey, you know, I'm just going to day trade now. I'm making so much money. And this this is my new business is day trading. And so I'm looking up by 2003 or four. Nobody was day trading. They took, you know, they took everybody to the woodshed. And so uh, this will be the same. Generally, it'll work out the same. I mean, you'll have all these people now. They're doing, you know, zero day, you know, zero day to, to, to exit to uh to, to options, ODT options and that kind of thing. And, you know, it's just, a, it's a recent phenomena and those things typically won't last for the long term. They last for a while, by the way. So it, that, that's why people do it. Yeah, for lots of years, essentially. So you'd say that that has been driving the markets while the economy has still been struggling? Or do you think, because I guess last time we spoke, you were saying that, you know, the consumer could start struggling, but it seems like they've been able to, sort of keep their head above the water? Why do you think that that was the case? Well, they, they've just kept on borrowing, uh, Anthony. If you look at, you know, their, the, their levels of debt have gone up, buy now, pay later has gone up, delinquencies are up, you know, auto delinquencies up. A lot of delinquencies are higher. And they just, you know, they borrowed money, borrowed credit card money. Uh, and that works for a while too. You know, I think they were used to having that extra money from all the COVID stimulus. And they're like, you know, I'm not going to give this up. I like this lifestyle and I'm just going to borrow money to make it happen. In the end, that doesn't work, though. And it'll work for a while again. Um, and then when you have a slower economy, you know, they won't be doing that. They'll be trying to pay rent and buy groceries. Yeah, good point. I did uh, recently buy a computer, which was uh, 0% interest for sort of four years. Yeah. So it's, I mean. it's ridiculous. Like yeah. <laughs> these, uh, and I'm, I'm sure the company will put that on their report and say, oh, look at all this money that we've made, even though they actually haven't even received it yet. 
and and you probably have a good bit of that of where they're recognizing revenue that they don't really have yet. But I, I don't know. I'm not. I don't own those companies. If I did anything to those companies, I'd probably short them. But I, I don't. I'm not doing that either. But I just think that's not an area that that we would like for a for a company we want to own for, you know, ten years or something like that. Um, but that's you know that's the times we're in, and and uh, that that's what I see with people. They're just they're speculating and. Like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And while you say the market is expensive, it does seem that it's been driven by these companies which are growing very quickly. So NVIDIA, so I think it was like 60% earnings uh, growth and, and other companies like that, even though they are probably overvalued, still, they are growing. Do you think this time could be different? They're making billions of dollars, they're, they're growing at a fast rate, or do you think there's, it always comes to the point where there's a wall and they can't continue to grow? Well, they used to tell me that about Cisco in 2000, uh, and it went from 82 to 8. So I, I'm a, and, and I remember Sony in 1995 was the stock, everything you owned. And if you were anybody at all and you had to have everything was Sony. Sony, Sony headphones, Sony recorders, Sony Walkman, Sony CD player. Every, and, and everybody was like, Sony will never go bad and went from basically 155 to 10. These things have a a life of their own a lot of times and then they go away and so most of the whatever growth you're expecting in the likes of nvidia and that type of company is probably already in the stock that doesn't mean it can't go higher because speculation can really run long and hard but it probably is in the stock at this point and you have to think well, what could i make over the next 10 years from this company what would it do and since everything is tied to AI, I mean, you know, everything you open up now is AI. Well, AI is not going to always put groceries on the table. I'm not certain it wouldn't help a lot of things, but there's a lot of things it won't help as well. And I think we've gotten caught up in it. Yeah, it does remind me of the blockchain fad in uh, 2019, 2020 and around there well, where everyone was trying to yeah, implement blockchain. The same thing with the internet. I mean, I've, I've listed, and I've got a list of these, 350 companies that had .com on the end. And there's a great book out there called .con, C-O-N, that lists all of the companies in that period that didn't make it. These were public companies. There's a lot of them. And anytime you threw um, .com or internet behind your name, they all went up, just like they are now. I mean, everybody when you can't get your stock up now, you start talking about AI so people will buy it. And and when you may or may not know anything about AI, um, I certainly think it's going to be something that transforms a lot of things, but it's not going to transform everything. Yeah, I work for a uh, oil company and we had the standard uh, talk about AI in the <laughs> CEO speech, which is uh, I thought was quite, quite funny. Uh, so you mentioned... Uh, yeah, what, what would it? What would you have to see to maybe uh, change your perspective on uncertainty and think that this bull market could continue? Is is there anything? Well, we run a lot of screens, and I, I couldn't really show it to you, but I we run a lot of screens on a, on a few hundred stocks, and we know when they when they get in the zone where we want to buy them. In other words, we're looking at what we think they can make the next five or six years. We discount that back for inflation, and then we try to buy lower than that. You know. Uh, none of those are really, there's a few, there's a few, not a lot though that are in that zone where we would buy. It's nothing to do with the market. It's just that 
if you don't buy us, it's like real estate. You make your money when you buy it. Not, you know, that's when you make your money. You got to buy right. And that's the way we are with stocks. Uh, and right now, there's just not many of those stocks that really hit the screens for us. By the way, we own a little bit left over, not a lot, but we own a little bit left over Apple, Amazon, and Google, um, and, and Microsoft, but small pieces that we had. We've owned those for many years, but we don't own a whole lot of them now because we keep selling them as they go to new highs. And we're almost out of a, a lot of that stuff. Um, but if you go to people today and say, uh, I'll take Apple, for example, number one owned stock amongst uh, professionals and individuals. If you go to an individual today and said, hey, I want you to sell your Apple or sell part of it, you know, you might as well say, well, let me let me kidnap your kid for a year. I mean, you know, it's like we're never going to do that. <laughs> and that that's, I've seen that before, too, by the way. Uh, and uh, I remember Intel in that same period, late 99, early 2000. And they just thought, man, you got to own that Intel. Well, after a while, you probably wish you didn't own it. <laughs> that's just the way these things go. I'm, I'm not laughing at it. That's just the marketplace. You have to buy things when they're priced right and not worry, not get caught up in outside noise on it. Yeah, that's a, that's a great message. So you said you wouldn't own a lot of these, uh, you know, stocks that are uh, at the moment. What what would you own? What do you, you know, you mentioned that you're looking at these companies, Bia. Well, we, you know, we've, uh, we, we've just bought, we bought some energy companies in the last month. Uh, if you look, you know, we bought EOG, we bought Williams, Williams, Williams companies, we bought uh, Northern Oil and Gas. Then on the pipeline side, high cash flows. We bought Enterprise Products, MPLX, uh, Energy Transfer. Oh, we own that. We've owned those for years, and those will pay you, you know, eight and a half or nine percent on a K one. It's better than real estate in our opinion right now, anyway. And we like real estate, but it's better right now than that. And we bought some defensive stocks uh, in the fourth quarter: McDonald's, Coca Cola, Unilever, some companies like that. But we still have. 50% in, uh, in the, in the three months treasury. <laughs> so it's not like we're hundred percent in the market. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. And he's got some, uh, some ammunition on the sidelines. So if, if we, um, you know, you mentioned energy, there's sort of a bit of concern, I guess, if you look at oil that there's a, uh, you know, the U S is just going to continue to be able to do increasing supply. OPEC plus could come online and sort of uh, saturate the market. Is this really, you know, there's much concerned about, I guess, the uh, WTI price is more just that they're strong companies, they have strong balance sheets, and they should, you know, they have a low cost of barrel? Well, I think where people are probably missing the point is that, at least in our opinion, um, what we see in the companies, you, the Saudis and the U.S., I wouldn't say they're tapped out, but it's not like they can bring on another huge source to really increase those barrels a day. We've already gone and probably two times almost up until 13 barrels, 13 million barrels a day. So I don't think, I, I don't think we can get in a position where you can say, oh, they can bring on a whole lot more because I just don't think they can. And uh, I think so many countries today still run off, you know, uh, fossil fuels. So it, it's, I, I'm, it's not that I am not a conservationist because I, you know, I have home, have property in Wyoming. I, I, I'm all for that. Okay. 
I just don't think we're at a spot now that you can make flip that switch and make it work. Uh, and it, it's a long-term situation, and they tried to make it a short-term situation, which is not going to work, at least in our opinion. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. So, if, uh, if we were to be very unfair on you and say, what, what, where do you think the markets, or where do you think the economy will be in start of twenty twenty-five? What would you, what would you say? Well, Anthony, I have to be honest with you. I have no idea. Uh, I, I'm, I've, I've been around a long time. And I could tell you what I think, but I'd probably be wrong. I could only, the way we have to do things is we manage for the next three to six months because we like to buy what we can see now, see what we can, what we know will work. Okay. I, I know what I can make on a one year treasury, right? I know what I, I, I can make certain amount of money, say 5%. I know I can make that. Now, I, whether, the economy turns and goes one way or another in a year. I don't know. If I had to guess, uh, sometime after the election, maybe it may take it long that long, but somewhere along the way, and, and you you have a, a bit of a weaker economy. I just I just see that in the cards. But if you don't get that, uh, for us, that's okay, because we're still just going to be buying what we buy and looking at value the way we look at it and not try to get caught up in guessing a macro move. Because when you get in and start investing like that, you're missing the point. It would be like buying a piece of real estate and wondering in, uh, in Texas and wondering what's going on in North Dakota. What difference does it make? <laughs> you see? And it's that sort of thing. And you have to look at investing that way. You have to buy what you know at the time and try to get away from uh, you know, what's going to happen in the economy because it's going to come and go and I won't be surprised. I'd give it a 50-50 chance that we have, you know, at least one or two quarters that are slower for sure. Yeah, that makes sense, especially when we've seen so such <laughs> strong growth recently. Can't can't keep it up forever. Um, you mentioned the election. Uh, do, is that something that you take into account as well or is that not as much a, a similar thing as you said is no point predicting? Well, you know, we had this big fiscal stimulus last year. I don't think people realize this, but, you know, 25% of, of what happened last year on the positive side, I'm talking on jobs and all sorts of things, was really the, the federal government, you know, and spending systems. I mean, there's a lot of fiscal stuff. Um, if they were to come back and do that this year, then you'd sort of have a remake of that and things would happen. Typically, they do loosen up, spend a lot of money during election years. Uh, the party in power, whether they are able to do that this year, I don't know. They certainly did it last year. But you have to remember, when you have $34 trillion in debt and you know that we're going to have at least a $2 trillion deficit, it's really hard to, to run in and say, okay, I'm going to spend a whole lot more money now. Because uh, they're in a spot where if you were to have a recession and they had to come in with fiscal money at that point, then you'd have a four or five or six trillion dollar deficit. And I, I think that's the risk you run if you start spending a whole lot more money here, which they're spending a lot of it anyway. But um, we're slowly but surely, Anthony, running into the wall on, on the treasuries. And people don't realize this, but the foreigners will quit buying our paper. They don't want that. Uh, they don't want what happened to them to happen to Russia when we, cut, when we cut, took those funds over. And I don't think people realize this, but from 17 trillion to 34 trillion of debt that we, we put on, 
The foreigners didn't buy any of that. The U.S. bought it all. So, you know, we're becoming like Japan where we just buy our own debt. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure <laughs> like Japan probably, can probably do it for a little bit as well, but it's not, not good for the economy. But uh, Well, look at it. It just keeps them in recession forever. I've had, what have they had, eight or nine recessions? I mean, in a row, though. I'm talking about in a row. Well, uh, that's not a good look for economically. Yeah, definitely. So, yep, Ted, thanks so much for your time today. I really yeah. appreciate it. Um, if anyone, uh, so my last question is, what is one message you'd like people to take away from our conversation? Well, I think individual investors, if you're, if you're highly invested in stocks today and you're probably in the indexes or in some exchange-traded funds, I would encourage you, you don't have to sell out of the market, but I would encourage you to take some of that off, okay, and just ice it down because you can get, like I say, on a 90-day treasure, you can get five and a quarter, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, and that may, that may be the best thing you can earn the next six or nine months, but try to keep your head on straight and realize that at times in the market, you need to be have more money in it. And at times, you need to have less. Um, and you just look at Warren Buffett. He's, they haven't been buying much at all. In fact, they sold some of their Apple. And uh, they've got a hoard of cash right now. Uh, take it from the best. They're not out there buying tons of things right now. So I'd give that same advice to the individual right now. Great message. Yep. So, Ted, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. If anyone wanted to find out more about your work and what you do, where would the best places for that be? Anthony, the best place is octopoadvisors.com. If you come there, uh, you know, we've written a number of books. You'll see all our newsletters, all the interviews we do, a lot of things. We don't, we're really transparent. You'll see most of what we do. I, I, we don't hide a lot of things. I think a lot of firms like to say, hey, I don't want anybody to see this. But, you know, um, we, we don't do that. You know, we just, we just do what we do, and we're probably not going to change that much. But, uh, Come to the website and you'll see anything there at oxbowadvisors.com you want to see. Perfect. I'll put that on the description below, but thanks again for your time. You bet it. You bet, Anthony. Good to see you again.